as we have always discussed in the laundry as well, like good KYC and, and good compliance is really a competitive advantage. Dear all the laundry listeners, today we are back in the studio and we are joined by Magnus. So happy to be back with the two of you, Frederick and Magnus. Glad to be back. How are you, Magnus? Uh, I've been looking forward to coming back after a slight break, and I think this is going to be the best episode ever. Ooh, big <laughs> expectations. Uh, so what are we actually talking about today, Frederick? Well, this far we've actually covered a lot of ground in AML so far. Like We've talked about the regulatory topics, like even the psychological topics within AML. But today we're actually focusing on what's next. So the next frontier of AML. And this is obviously one of Magnus' specialties. So it's a really great timing to have you back in, in the office. And, and Magnus, let's kick off. Like, wh- what does the next frontier within AML hold? Uh, I think that's the question everyone is asking themselves nowadays, right? So where should we go next? If we look at the history of AML, and it's not even history, it's maybe the past 15 years. It's really started out with the manual processes, meeting minimum requirements, just ticking the box and, and getting past with our is banking, basically. Um, and then the past eight years, we really started to move into models. We moved into efficiency, really meeting expectations of others than regulators, right? So the society, stakeholders, shareholders, etc. cetera. Uh, and it was all about like, how do we use tools? How do we get less false positives, et cetera? But now we really see that the banks are moving into the space where the complexity is increasing, that there's much stricter regulatory requirements. And the phase is really now like, what's the next frontier of AML? So, so if we look at like, what is the next frontier? We now say that we are diving into four main topics of AML, right? So the first is that we're now looking at synergies across risk types. So not only AML as a silo and fraud as a silo and cyber as a silo, just as examples, but we're looking at how can these risk types really benefit from each other, right? The same data, the same way of doing customer identification, the same way of handling transactions. It's really like, how can we do that from like a full, clear risk picture? Magnus, because the next frontier, we have actually divided them into four broad categories. Why don't you, why don't you list them out? Yeah, exactly. So, so the four categories that we see banks and other financial institutions are diving into is really like one, synergies with other risk types. And then it's two, it's operational excellence, like beyond the gold standard and how can we leverage it? And then it's the higher efficiency. So how do we get our teams to focus on the right things? And then it's really the, the fourth one, which is the collaboration across the industry. Like how can we work together across banks? Okay, so so what do you mean with the first one? The, the synergize with other types of risk? Yeah, so, so if you look at risk, right, we often seen that AML is one, fraud is one, and cyber is one, for instance. What we're trying to accomplish now is that we're, gonna, we're looking at what are the synergies for how we are working and the processes between, let's say, AML and fraud and cyber. It's all about like the data that we're using, the models we're using, and the actually actual operations that we're doing within each of these risk categories. Have you seen any examples of anyone doing this great yet? Because it's it's a hard challenge. I mean, sharing data or just handling data within AML, that's a huge undertaking on its own. And then sharing across just in terms of like technical 
just the technical difficulty. And then, of course, like regulatory, data privacy, GDPR, etc. That's another challenge as well. Have you seen anyone do this really well yet? So there's few banks that really like crack the code on how to find and actually leverage the synergies fully. But you do see that fraud and AML is becoming closer and closer to each other within many of the, let's say, UK banks. And the reason is that they manage to leverage the transactions, which is the same transaction that you use for fraud, that you use for AML, in a very common way, and that the team are very centrally located to, to learn from each other. And this way, you can actually use fraud incidents to identify where an AML will happen next, because fraud is often followed by laundering the money. Yeah, mm. I think yeah, if there's this is super interesting, and if there's any laundry listeners now who work somewhere where they really crack the code on this, we would love to hear someone come to the show and actually talk about how they did it. Absolutely, I'm I'm curious, like with the, with these companies that really solved it that you've seen, does this mean that the AML budget is sort of split out? Like basically, if there's companies here trying to solve the same problem, it might become sort of a tug and pull situation at some level where, all right, well, who's going to pick up the bill for us to implement this technology if, if it sits within different departments? Yeah, so I don't think there's an internal war going on. Like in terms of budget, there's always separate budgets for AML and fraud teams, for instance, because there's so much investigations and operations behind, let's say, the layer of technology. But in terms of co-creating models, leveraging each other's information, leveraging each other's pools of incidents, and also adding, let's say, a cyber layer, right? Because in the cyber, let's say the dark web, that's where the bank and credit card numbers are sold. So if you can scan that or sweep all of that information and add it, like, are our customer exposed? And will these customers then be used, let's say, as a money mule or anything like that? You actually have a value chain that en encompasses cyber fraud and AML. Um, let's just look, let's say, at the customer risk rating, right? You have customer mm -hmm. identification, you have credentials management in, in cyber. All of these things goes hand in hand, really. Uh, and that's the interesting part. But very few have managed to have that extent of synergies yet. Mm. Do you have any like top one tip to for any company that would be interesting to sort of start utilizing synergies with other risk types within their corporation as of now, before we move into your key finding or the key topic number two of the day? So I think my main tip were to be at starting at the data sources and, and finding the synergies there, and then take that into your transaction models to enrich how you score and risk score transactions using more data Uh, which is always easy to say, right? But using more, let's say, variables on how you determine risk. Because fraud and, and the fraud area is very mature on analytics, and that can also help into the transaction monitoring and risk rating of those transactions in AML. All right. Nice. Let's move on to the second category in the next frontier of AML, operational excellence. How banks can move beyond the gold standard. And also it makes me wonder, are everyone at the gold standard yet? No, and, and I think that's like the cool thing, right? So I think you guys have seen a lot more of the of the breadth, let's say, or the or the width of, of what KYC standards there are. But but as we have always discussed in the laundry as well, like good KYC and, and good compliance is really a competitive advantage. And that's what the operational excellent excellence lever is all about now. Because you want to find out, once I achieve a gold standard KYC, that's complete customer files, proper behavioral patterns, etc., 
how can I use that to give a better banking experience to my customers, both in customer journeys, but also in how often do I contact them? What type of product should they be using? What kind of advisory services should they get? All of these things are like really about excellence or leveraging your excellence and compliance. So this is kind of a cultural question as well. It's not just about like a process and data and so forth, but those banks who have actually been able to have leadership that talks about compliance as a competitive advantage and like lift it up front and center and yeah, and make it a priority for all employees. Yeah, like if you look at the banks, right? It's all about, oh, we have to learn our frontline, which is basically those that talk to the customer, the importance about AML and compliance. But now, like after three, four, five years, right? Some have actually become quite good at it in the first line. So how can we now take this knowledge and make it into a better positioned frontline to serve our customers as a bank or any financial institution? And, and that's what excellence is about. It's not operational efficiency, it's excellence. And that's yeah. all about leveraging compliance, right? As, as you guys help on, yeah. Yeah, we've seen a lot of different uh, KYC processes and, you know, you get some insights after a while to see what works and what doesn't and see how people do different things. But let's move on to the third category because, I mean, this is super relevant. The efficiency part, just really how to work more efficiently. We know there's a lot, lot of false positives and, you know, requires a yeah. lot of people, a lot of staffing. How can we achieve higher efficiency in the next frontier of AML. Yes. So I think that all of the, like what we're seeing is that there's a bit of a legacy issue that you always throw on people at your compliance issue, right? Mm. Like your backlog should be managed by people, your your follow-up and investigation should be managed by people, and the regulators ask you to get more people. It's all about people. Um, but now the, the banks has turned the key a bit and saying, okay, we have so many people in compliance and risk-related topics how can we ensure that we actually get a full, let's say, yield on our dollar or, or investment? Like, how do they spend their time correctly? It's not a people-cutting exercise, but it's actually like catching the big fish. Like, how do we get those teams to focus on the right cases all the time? And that will also makes it that will also show how much you can actually do within compliance with your right resources, not just increasing your resources and giving mediocre results. Which yeah, because I think we're... It's easy to forget, but the whole point of AML is to catch criminals. It's yeah, not it's so, a compliance in itself, but it's so easy to forget because you get tied up in, you know, the regulatory requirements, the checkbox exercises, you know, you're yeah. more afraid of getting the fine than actually catching the criminals and so forth. So, yeah, it's a good reminder that this is actually the yeah. goal. And if you look at like the Thomas Borgen case now, right, it's, it's being, it, it's, it's, the trial is public and open now in, in Denmark and you see just how much discussions there are, like what are the important areas, right? Like mm -hmm. you just look at Estonia, it was 1% of their income, right? Why, why wouldn't a CEO care? It's, it's stuff like that that really brings to light the question of, it's really a cultural aspect, aspect to this, like regardless of the provision or the portion of your income, but it's also very high expectations, because even though it was such a big case, it's actually a very small relative case compared to the size of the bank. So, so there's like so many things here that becomes visible now that I think is on a very high, the top of the agenda, let's say, of top executives and, and compliance providers. Want to explore what the future of KYC looks like? Try our interactive product tour and learn how some of our most popular platform modules turn complex data 
into meaningful insights and manual KYC tasks into automated processes. Go to strice.ai today and explore the magic of Strice. For the full experience, use your desktop device. Yeah, and I, I think one really interesting aspect of this is like, how does compliance work together with AML to really make efficiency, like to create higher efficiency? What I mean by this is with a lot of the new systems and data providers and the ability to gain resources, knowledge, information, and so forth regarding persons, customers, uh, and clients, you, you actually have way more data and insights than you used to have. And I've seen cases now where it's become actually problematic of increasing efficiency because these supporting systems, they're so good at providing information during onboarding and screening of customers that the persons like in, in the front line, that's operationally, they, they need to follow their, their set sort of checklist, but now they have so much information and so many tools and information that they need to look at. So they end up with just information overload based yeah. on what sort of like the old compliance checklist tells them to do because they say you need to look at everything and then you need to make sure that you risk evaluate and manually document everything. Mm. So I, I think it's really time where AML and compliance need to work even closer together to understand, well, with all of these new tools, how do we create a checklist that actually tells us exactly what we need to know and not go overboard on anything, especially if it's not a risk-based yeah. approach. But, but I, think, I think you bring some very important topics here, right? So that goes even beyond the, for the next frontier of AML. But if you imagine that the more information you get in your onboarding, and you might have in your procedures that any indications of financial crime or, a, or money laundering should be investigated, the more information you have, the more indications you might get and the more time you would have to spend on a case to go through that information. So, so the better the tools are, while still having processes that might be a bit traditional and quite a checklist, let's say, or, or principle-based, the more time you would have to spend and the more people you would need. So, so there's a big balance here but by working risk-based and getting information and getting data. But that's also operational excellence. But I think that's what's something they work on within the operations of AML, right? Absolutely. I think this is a topic in and of itself that we need to deep dive in in a, in a future episode, like with with all this information, like you say, there's plenty of things to, to discover. So where do you actually draw the limit of what do you need to understand about the client before you set a proper risk evaluation of it? But all right. Mm. Let's, uh, let's I think also into, just uh, one final comment on that. It's super interesting to hear about, you know, the now there's so much information available and then circling back to the topic, you know, catching the bad guys. I would love to do an episode where we get people on to just talk about the data points that they found and were able to connect that actually expose mm. some criminal behavior. So if there's anyone listening who have you know, a concrete example of how they were able to piece information together that resulted in a report to the police, please reach out to me. And we would love to hear that story. Uh, Absolutely. All right. Moving on to the like fourth and final category within the new frontier of AML, which is collaboration through the industry. I know there's been, there's a lot going on there, a lot of initiatives, but uh, it's still in its early days and there's a lot of regulatory yeah, hassles that still needs to be figured out. So yeah. what's, what's your take on this, Magnus? Yes, so, so I think there's, there's two perspectives of collaboration that we need to look at. So, so one is collaboration between the regulators and the police and the banks, which is bank to public, right? That's one relationship. 
We've heard comments there that the feedback loop between, let's say, the financial crime units of the police and, and the regulators are too bad, right? The feedback loop is not efficient. That's one element that needs to be explored and it is being explored through forums, etc. And then there's another aspect, which is cross-bank collaboration. Um, and this is a very interesting one because it's all about creating utilities, right? So if you look at utilities now, we see the Netherlands are becoming very uh, mature in terms of using utilities in their KYC and transaction monitoring work. We see Norway has started maybe something, but it's not really there yet. It's quite behind the rest of the world. And then we have like other global banks starting to look at the potential of sharing data through a common utility or a common shared service which is super, super interesting. So I'm not sure if you guys have seen it in your work, right? They're working with all the banks, but I think that this is the next way to go, like collaboration. It's, uh, oh, we've definitely seen it. And I think like from, I don't know if it's called the utopian perspective, but I think like the, the idea of it all makes so much sense. And I think at some level we will need to get there, but I do think a few of the value propositions of, of current providers or potential providers at least is, a, is maybe a bit, too, too, like it's a bit too far into the future because what I've heard or what I've seen at least is that the banks have such different risk appetite. And also if you talk about this being multinational, so moving across borders as well, the regulatory scene changes quite a bit. And also you, obviously from a data sharing perspective, there's so many limitations, both in terms of GDPR and TRIMS2 and data privacy and so forth and so forth. So there's just so much, much friction in terms of the utopian, like really clear cut value propositions of this. But I do think like there's something in between that really does need to be explored on, on this end. Now, if you look at like all these barriers to collaboration, right? So there's one aspect that should we, should we really compete on catching criminals? That's one aspect. And are we balancing the competition competitive advantage or competitive advantage of having a good AML in your sales, in your frontline, et cetera, with the society's effects or positive society effects from collaboration. And the more integrative the models of AML compliance or whatever risk management becomes into the business activities, the more difficult it is to share your information because then you might also share how you rate your customers, which gives which interest they should get, which product they have access to. So, so I think the banks also need to take a decision on how we should decide to treat the balance between catching and collaborating or developing ourselves and take the upside ourselves as well, which is a very difficult decision. Yeah, right? it's uh, very, yeah, very difficult. Frederick, what were you saying? I'm very curious to learn how the Dutch solve this. You mentioned that they've, they've had this model going for a while and it seems based on your comments that it's actually been uh, been quite a success so i'm i'm very curious to understand what sort of data sharing problems they they face because obviously they 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 run into a large part portion of the same problems as uh, as the scandinavian banks for, for example would as well yeah absolutely i think there's like one very big difference which is the proactiveness of the regulators because you you don't want to risk being fined or you don't want to risk breaching let's say gdpr regulations in terms of your in terms of the eu participation so, so there's a very big aspect here of, of having regulators that are keen to participate in developing rather than taking the backseat and, and looking retrospective, not really taking action. And then there's also the size of the regulators. So they actually have resources to advise the banks, which is also a very good ex- uh, expectation. And the banks have someone to go to. And then, of course, the banks have decided that we want to take part of collaboration 
which they've actually that's the side around that balance, which which side of the balance they should go to. And and that's for me is is a very clear statement of that. In the Netherlands, they are going for collaboration and, and hopefully it will work. But this is still under explanatory or sorry, exploratory version, right? So they're still working on it, to my, to my knowledge. But I also think that others will follow, like other countries, which I hope to see very soon. Okay, guys, we've covered four different categories within the next frontier of AML. Synergies with other risk types, operational excellency, higher efficiency, and then collaboration throughout the industry. I think this was a great discussion and for an upcoming episode, we should really dig into the synergies in the tech value chain in a bank, like how they can uh, leverage synergies across their entire AML value chain from customer identification to transaction monitoring through, uh, yeah, throughout the whole value chain. Brilliant. Looking forward to continuing the, the discussion then. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a full, full on episode on only tech, which I probably guess Frederick and Marit will love more. <laughs> yes. Well, we, we love all aspects of this. <laughs> and uh, for the Laundry listeners, if there's any feedback or episodes you want us to do, or if there's anyone who uh, wants to come on the show, feel free to contact us. And yeah, we always, uh, we're always interested in feedback and new ideas. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Your money make a world go 